again, going back to like, if it's worth it, then you pull out at the end and you figure it out and you realize like, there's so much more to this person than what's going on for them in the moment. And, um, there are a lot of people who just can't handle that and just expect it to be clean and pretty always. Welcome to the Dairy to Move podcast. I am your host, Colleen Wetmore. Each week, I will give you a guest or a thought that will help you become aligned with your soul and your life purpose. We will have conversations about raw and real topics with inspiring and motivational individuals. So let's get deep, and I dare you to move into who you were meant to be. Welcome back to the Dairy to Move podcast. I'm your host, Colleen. Um, if you are a reoccurring listener, welcome back again. And I love you so much. And I thank you if you are a new listener. Sorry if you heard my stomach growling. I just ate. Um, if you are a new listener, welcome. And I hope you enjoy it. So my heart is so, so, so heavy. I am just like on the verge of tears all the time. I just, I don't know. And some of them are good tears because all the protesting that's happening for Black Lives Matter truly, truly, like, makes me have hope. It really does. It makes me have hope. Um, But then I think, you know what? It's fucking 2020. Why are we still fighting for this? Why, why is this still a thing that we have to fight for? Why are black people and other minorities getting killed? Because of their color. Why are now, uh, what was it, transgender or bi, gen, um, non-gender binary or what are they, not getting health benefits? Are they getting turned away from health insurance now? Like, what the fuck? I'm just like, it's 2020 and we're still fighting for basic human fucking rights. And I just can't handle it. I just, I don't understand. Thank God the Supreme Court yesterday, Monday, voted 6-3 to that you cannot be fired for being gay or transgender. But why did that have to fucking happen till 2020? Like, I just, I can't wrap my brain around it. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Saturday, I joined a protest in my town. I didn't even know what was going on. I literally heard them, and I was like, what's happening? Is there, like, yelling? I heard was hearing yelling. And then I eventually heard the words Black Lives Matter. I was like, oh, my God, there's a protest. Um, I didn't know where they were going. I looked on Facebook, and they were coming back around. So they started at Stop and Shop in my town and went past my street and then went, like, halfway around the lake and then came back. So when they were coming back, I heard them. I literally, like, threw on my shoes, took my phone, my mask, and booked it out the door, ran down the street, took a video of the protest, and then joined the protest. So, yeah. 
I was so happy to be a part of that. And I think it was run by teenagers or organized by teenagers. And I think that's truly, truly freaking amazing that teenagers are just, they're just truly amazing, most teenagers. Um, I'm sure there's little racist little shit teenagers somewhere out there, but (laughs) yeah, um, I also have a heavy heart because I, I don't really know what my purpose on life is right now, and I just kind of feel very blah about it and very, if I have to work a nine-to-five job forever, I don't know what's going to happen to me because I'm, I'm not doing very well right now because of it. Obviously, I'm grateful I have a job, but I just know there's so much more to life than working nine-to-five and burning yourself out and spending more time working than enjoying your life. So this is kind of where I'm at right now. But yes, so all you peaceful protesters, anyone fighting for justice in any way, um, fucking keep it up. We got to keep it up. So today we have on Leah Judson. She is amazing. And I freaking love her. And I loved our conversation. We talked a lot about friendships and how she healed from past things. And we talked a lot about her Behold Her organization, which is about like self-worth and self-care and just, it's just, it's amazing. And it's a good way for women to connect. Um, I'm not really sure what they're doing right now with COVID happening, but it's truly amazing. But yeah, we talk a lot about friendships and I'm glad we did because I related to her so much. And I loved this conversation. I know you will love it. She is wonderful. So enjoy. All right. So thank you, Leah, for coming on to the pod. I'm so excited to have you here and I'm very happy that you reached out to me. I'm excited too. It's it's fun to be able to to see you and yes. to also like know how easy it is to make an, a connection in a different state or country if it ever gets to that. Yeah, I I I think I have a friend in Spain who listens to it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes, hopefully he's still listening to it. But yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I just like to start with your journey and just start from wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of giving some context for um, your audience. I am originally from Panama. Uh, My father was prior military. And so that meant probably around the age of six or seven, I got plucked out of that country and um, put down in another, which was in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, which was a little bit of a culture shock, I think, for <laughs> both myself and my mother. Yes. Um, especially since, I, if I remember correctly, it was around the it was around winter time, which was also the first time I experienced snow. Um, yes. Yeah, so it was a wow. very like surreal experience. Um, and then shortly after, my sister was born, so then that was a whole new wave of experiences. Um, and just found myself traveling for a good portion of um, like my young adult life. Uh, well, maybe young kid 
life, uh, <laughs> however you want to explain it. It definitely was not an adult yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, we, we spent a couple of years in Pennsylvania and then moved to Tennessee. And then mm. when I thought that, you know, this was it, they always, at least they were telling us that there weren't really any chances of us moving again. And even though Pennsylvania to Tennessee doesn't see much, we, we ended up moving, you know, three or four times just within that state. When I went to Tennessee, we kind of stayed in the same house, but I ended up switching around to like three or four different schools. So it always felt like we were kind of moving. And um, even if maybe I was still kind of in the, the same neighborhood. And I remember sitting in the parking lot and my mother telling me that we ended up getting orders to go to Germany, which at the time I knew nothing about and was still kind of stuck in this very immature mindset that mm-hmm. um, they wouldn't like me because I wasn't of Aryan race. And oh so there was this like yeah. giant fear of like not fitting in because, you know, m- my mother and I have very dark hair and, um, and dark eyebrows, dark, dark everything. Um, and so we were both just kind of like holding each other and crying in the parking lot and stuff, Aww. just fearful of like what this next part of our lives would look like. And it is definitely uh, a time in my life that I wish I could replay over and over again. Like the people there are incredible and mm-hmm. the experience was just immeasurable in terms of all the things I was able to do and felt safe doing. Um, so I very much wanted to stay and, you know, quickly grew out of high school and, and unfortunately had to go back to the States to do university. And, um, yeah, that was just many years of, of trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do and, um, running out of money all the time, uh, you know, since it was, I'm sure many people's experience of just like finally being out of the house and kind of exploring like what that looks like. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of, um, I think for me, like in terms of who I am or what I'm made up of, I tend to get lost in that because of the amount of times I pick up and go. And so, Sometimes when people ask me where I'm from, it's very long-winded. Um, yeah. And uh, sometimes I forget where that is, or sometimes I wish I could be back in those places that I did consider home, but unfortunately can't be that anymore. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of moving. I've only moved once in my life when I was a kid, so I don't <laughs> know how you did it that many times. So did you try to make friends when you moved, or were you scared to? Uh, and that, and I sit here and think like, would my mom listen to this? Cause that's probably one of the most, um, like bitter experiences with having to pick up and go is, uh, my, my parents are really protective. And so I wasn't allowed to stay in touch with, um, anyone after we ended up leaving, mainly because I wasn't allowed to have an email. I wasn't allowed to have social media. Um, didn't have a phone for a while. Actually, my first phone was a walkie talkie because my parents wanted me to stay within one mile radius of the house. Um, so it was very, a strict lifestyle. Um, and so it was really hard, you know, as, as, as a kid wanting to stay in touch with, with people, not understanding that we had to leave too. Um, and obviously not being able to have a choice, so there were definitely a lot of times where I was just very frustrated. And, and, um, and when I moved to Germany, as 
beautiful of an experience it was when I came to the States, I felt very ostracized with my community. Um, whether it was my roommate or whether it was my peers, um, I, I feel like when you get to travel at a very young age, like you, 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 you learn so much more than I I think like the, the average, like American Mm -hmm. kid gets to. And my, my desires were different. I, you know, I felt like when I went to college, everyone wanted to party and like (laughs) explore a million different relationships and, um, and all these crazy things. And I just kind of really nerded out and wanted to, you know, continue adventuring and would talk about Germany a lot. Um, and always compared like the difference between both countries and, and people were just like, I don't want to fucking like hear about this I don't like this doesn't relate to me or what I'm interested in now um and so I think that really made it difficult figuring out what type of friends I wanted um or what I wanted friendships to look like or at least when I finally had an idea of what that looked like it wasn't available to me or at least I didn't know how to find it um so I definitely think moving around as you know, uh, for probably all the way up until, you know, I was 18 and not having that choice to move around really, really carved out what, you know, the following 10 plus years look like and what friendships look like for me. Wow. That's crazy. I couldn't even imagine. And it's funny because my, um, my cousin, my dad, my uncle was in the air force and they lived in Germany for, mm-hmm. I forgot how long they were there, but they loved it too. So she would always, she was re, she passed away three years ago, but they mm-hmm. would always um, talk about it and how much she loved. Because I think she was in high school too, around the time. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's super chill. And I think that's what a lot of people love about it is you're not having to sprint while you're there. You, mm-hmm. there, everything is closed by five or six, um, Wednesday yeah. or Sundays, everything's closed. So you're just like, you know, there's no Walmarts, there's no 24 seven things. Um, and so it really forced you to have to like hang out with your family or go out and do something and walk around. I miss being able to walk over to someone's house and, you know, unannounced and sit for tea or, you know, get a snack or whatever. Like, and that's so unreal here. You know, I have to send calendar invites to hang out with people. And even then those might get canceled and then you don't see them for a couple of months. And time goes by, I feel like 10 times faster here in the States than it does in Europe. And that's the one thing that I miss the most. Yeah. Cause they're living more presently. So they're exactly enjoying every moment. Yeah. I miss I miss Europe so much. <laughs> I was there only for six months, but oh, I, that's, en- that's enough to, and be I was a, in the UK, changer. which is very similar to yeah, yeah. America. So, but I, I definitely understand that. Wow. That's very, I think that's amazing though. I like you, when we, you were talking, you were like, I was an army brat. And I'm like, I don't know why they came up with that term. Like that's because you <laughs> I were no idea maybe privileged to be able to travel. I don't know why that. I, I have no idea, but I also know, you know, other kids who were quote unquote army brats and they were like stuck in the same place for a good point. It depends on what your, your parents, like what their, um, 
title is, I guess, you know, or like what their job is within the military kind of restricts Mm -hmm. you to some really boring places in the States or you can go to really cool places overseas. Um, Sorry, moving the cord. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you think moving around and having strict parents and not being able to stay in touch with friends has affected you now? And like, what obstacles have you had to move through internally to let it all out or go or heal? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, I think the first wave was probably forgiving my parents. Um, and trying to understand why they were the way that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it was a million things. It was like I was the first kid, so we're always an experiment. Um, that lifestyle for the first child ends up being a lot stricter than the second or the third, fourth, depending on how large your family is. Um, mm. You know, at some point, I think parents are like, I'm tired. <laughs> and, you know, those... They're like, uh, oh, okay, go do what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um So I first had to just kind of not like they definitely played an influence, but there's a difference I think between being influenced from the decisions that they decided to make and and just blaming them uh, for the way that I react to things. And um, I really try not to hold them like against any of those things that, that I kind of struggle with now. Um, So once kind of, getting past that, then I think the, the second wave was, um, just trying to figure out how to relax. I think that because when you grow up in, in a strict lifestyle, yeah, there's a part of me that really retaliated and was very rebellious and went about and did my things, even though again, rebelliousness was very, very tamed. Like (laughs) it was, you know, it was spending what, it was spending like stipends for college for plane tickets and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, or it was selling my PlayStation to try and save up first, you know, a ticket somewhere else. Like it was just little tiny things that, um, that I was always trying to figure out ways to, to get going. Um, but in terms of like friendships and kind of how that's being handled, I mean, um, hmm, it's, it's such an interesting question, mainly because I felt like these past couple of years, I've seen so many friendships end and I go back and forth with trying to figure out why was it because I wasn't completely there for them? Was it something that they went through and I just wasn't serving them in the way that they needed me to? Um, But because I was going through my own thing that I wasn't able to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, was it something that just needed to naturally end? And that was just kind of the end of, you know, what our, our stint together. Um, or did I just like, was I just really a shitty person and like, did it, you know, like it, it's funny to think of it that yeah, way. But, I, I um, do that to myself all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, but sometimes I'm just like, Hmm, what is the thing that I need to to grow that I, that I need to strengthen. Um, and it was kind of a mix of everything. There was definitely a mix of, um, you know, there, you know, some things that I needed to learn, um, on, on how to be a better friend. 
And then there was definitely a huge portion where a lot of those friendships ended because I wasn't serving what they needed, but they were turning it on to me in terms of like blaming me for not being a good enough friend. Um, and so that really kind of tore me apart and really made it difficult for me to enjoy meeting new people. There was always this layer of hesitation and doubt and I think too, with growing up military, it's always really difficult to say goodbye because you're moving around so often that you end up kind of just putting this wall up. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was funny. I remember speaking to another, uh, woman who grew up military and she's just like, Oh, I I call it my, my marketing campaign. Um, that I just, you know, I'm fun and playful and all these things. And, um, you know, I look like I'm, I'm a good time to kind of hang out with, but like, that's, that's all just kind of a billboard. Um, and everything is, is completely different, you know, behind the scenes. And it's because we are trying to protect ourselves. Um, and I think for me, like deep down inside, like it really did hurt not being able to stay in contact with people. Um, and it really was frustrating having to pick up and go all the time and not knowing where we were going or why we were going. Um, and so now as an adult and not, necessarily well actually funny enough my husband's in the military as well so um it's kind of going through this weird phase again of like where where are we going how long is this going to be I remember one time asking him like you know should should I try making friends (laughs) like should I actually make an effort you know to to build relationships here because I don't want to start something and be you know really attached to to whoever is here in the area and, and not be able to take that with me Um, and it's not that I don't have the capability of staying in touch with people, but I'm sure you know it and other people know it. Like it's different. Once you kind of put a couple of states or a couple hours between you, those relationships shift dramatically. Um, and you can always probably call up some people and it'll be like, you know, nothing ever changed, but you miss out on a lot. Um, you miss out on people having kids or, you know, big moments or crappy days that they need somebody to speak to. Um, and then you kind of get pulled into this like lonely phase of like, okay, where's my people at? How do I find my people? Oh, I don't have the energy to find people. Like, it's just this, like, it's work making friends and, um, kind of finding your community is like a whole nother job. And I think sometimes people don't realize how much time it takes to actually build genuine, valuable friendships. We always complain about like people who are around us, but a big part of that I think is, you know, paced around laziness or, um, not feeling motivated to actually try and like build something up that is very equal to like finding a romantic partner. You Mm -hmm. know, you have your, 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 uh, your honeymoon period, you know, with whatever new friends and everything's all fun and sparkly. Uh, and then something happens where it's awkward and you want to say something, but you don't know if you should say something. And then, cause you want to avoid confrontation, but then after you get past that part, you're stronger. Like there's all the same similar phases. Um, and some people are worth going through that. And a lot of people aren't. And I think that like the past couple of years, I've had to figure out who were the people that weren't necessarily like fighting for and then who are the people that were worth every minute trying to to salvage that relationship yeah and it's hard too because if you're up leveling and they're not yeah 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 okay (laughs) yeah and and it's also it goes back to like again like is that person worth it because there is going to be a time where you're meeting for or wherever you end up meeting this person 
maybe things aren't going well for you. And like, is the relationship strong enough for them to be able to get through that period that you're kind of struggling with? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's not, I think sometimes people think like, oh, we're just meant to be perfect and have this spark at the beginning and, yeah. um, and then we'll be best friends forever. And it's like, no, maybe you're meeting me at a really ugly point in my life and I need somebody and maybe you're struggling with something and you need something too. And we need to figure out how we can like live yeah. in this world together in a really hard point. And again, going back to like, if it's worth it, then you pull out at the end and you figure it out and you realize like, there's so much more to this person than what's going on for them in the moment. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of people who just can't handle that yeah. and just expect it to be clean and pretty always. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that a friendship is like a partnership, like a romantic partnership, because it is essentially, obviously without the physical self, but it's the same thing. And it took me until like this last year to fucking figure that out because I'm going through a thing right now where I'm like, I don't feel like the best friend, like the bestest friend to people right now, because I'm going through my own Mm -hmm. shit. And I just kind of want to just be alone and hermit. And granted it's, it's winter too, but (laughs) I just, I'm like, I want to hermit. And I, I'm doing a lot of like self work at night alone Mm -hmm. and I'm hanging out with my dogs and I don't want to hang out with people. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Yeah. We all go through phases and seasons and stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's cool when you can find that person that respects that mm-hmm. and, and also knows when to pull you out of it. You know, if they think that maybe you're spending too much time in, in that type of um, lifestyle and they know the difference between like healthy you and unhealthy you. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good point too. Um, do you find that it's hard to be your authentic self? No. Um, I think I think what I struggle with more is getting frustrated when like almost the insecurity attached to being myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I am, I don't really ever feel like I put on a show for people. Um, I am what I am when I come into whatever setting. I think sometimes I end up calculating too much afterwards when I'm like, oh man, why didn't that person want to like keep hanging out with me or Mm. how come they didn't exchange numbers or why didn't they seem excited? You know, like I start kind of overanalyzing the scenario and I go home and, um, and just kind of sit in this, you know, uh, dirt of just like, oh, well, whatever. Like it is what it is. You know, and sometimes I'm like, I don't need, you know, I don't need them to be my friend or blah, blah, blah. And I kind of Mm -hmm. go through this like checklist of like, why I'm okay with how things played out. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and I think when I was younger, yeah, you know, it was hard to show up as myself. And I think it was because of the type of people I was hanging out um, or hanging out with. Mm -hmm. I, you know, tried to blend into my surroundings and, I don't like it. It's funny. Like I haven't really thought about it too much, like in terms of just kind of going back and thinking about like those phases. But, um, 
like I know like through middle school and high school, I definitely really didn't have any control of like how I dressed. My my mother dressed me for school, which always mm-hmm. made me kind of feel a little weird and out of the box. Sometimes I felt like I was dressed too old for my age. Um, and it painted a certain picture about me in high school that I didn't want. And it felt very awkward and, and clunky trying to, you know, fill in this role of um, a young woman when I still, again, didn't have my own email address or, you know, (laughs) have a cell phone that didn't have (laughs) monitored call history. Um, So, Uh, yeah, so it was, so I think that was really weird. But once I, once I figured out who I was, um, or at least like what I know is true to me, like I, I don't know, I'm just so happy I'm finally in a space that I love everything about me. Um, but then there's this awkward phase that I don't love all the things around trying to make friends, um, and trying to find somebody that's compatible, but like gets my jokes. Cause I'm, I tend to be very sarcastic and have cynical humor and Me too. Tend, yeah, <laughs> tend to be a little bit on the darker side with things. Oh, yeah. I'm also like very blunt and forward. And so sometimes when I call people out on things or like, or I'm being very opinionated about something. Um, it's not taken very well by most people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, often I get people, you know, sharing like, oh, you know, you're, you're very intimidating or um, just kind of casting out any type of adjectives that don't, that don't sit well with me, that don't make me feel like that's who I think I am. Um, and, I get kind of stuck. Like I'm in this weird, um, I'm just kind of floating in the middle between like me trying to appreciate myself and appreciate the personality quirks and, and who I've kind of grown up to be. And then sitting on this other side of hearing the way that people are receiving who I am, um, and trying not to get pulled into changing, uh, based off of what their feedback has been. Um, it's just their projections of themselves onto you though. Yeah. So, and it's, it's awkward. <laughs> I, I, um, I know. I feel you. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty picky with like how I share my time with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like this year has been a really incredible start in terms of like who I surround myself with. Um, and because I, I agree with like what you said that, you know, I, whether it's with clients or, or whether it's relationships, I always say that like who, who you surround yourself with is a reflection of your own self-worth. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't value yourself, then the people that you surround yourself with don't value you either. Yeah. Um, or at least don't respect you. So. Yeah. And you learn that the hard way. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> so how then do how did you or do you like get into the space of like loving who you are then like the tool what what tools do you use or modalities to kind of shut everyone else out and then focus on like loving yourself and also do you know your human design what is what is that okay we're gonna talk after (laughs) okay is that is that the number thing no, that's ideogram or something. Oh yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yes, I think I do. I don't know it, but I remember 
I remember a girlfriend of mine did the human design thing. Yeah, you need to look into that. I have it like all in a big text message, but I also like, it was really cool to read, but then there was this other part of me where I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> like, I didn't you know what the, the next actual step was. reading. Oh yeah. How does, okay. Are we allowed to talk about that now or is it, it's a later thing, huh? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. No. So, Ooh, you know, this sounds, I don't want to be like doing any type of shortcuts or like, cheating people out of stuff but um a light switch just kind of happened one day like a couple years ago where I was just like fuck mm-hmm. this um like I just had this I love it. just like <laughs> nope can't do it anymore um and I think I, I think it was partly based around the organization that I started and kind of seeing how people mm-hmm. were struggling with their own um identity and and self-worth um And so it really got me thinking and and started giving perspective on like how I was spending time thinking about myself. Um, Now I will caveat with saying that like, yes, I love who I am. That doesn't mean that every day is is perfect. Um, I definitely have, you know, instances where there are like body image struggles or again, going back, I would say my biggest insecurities is around friendships or developing relationships with people. Um, but like in terms of kind of setting myself up, like it was, I don't know, it just had to be an everyday practice, whether it was audibly telling myself to stop. Um, if I was thinking, um, something negatively about myself, which was really awkward and I'm glad no one is ever around when I do it, <laughs> but, um, but I'll, it'll be easily like walking down the steps and then maybe like, the- just fucking stop. Yeah. I'll just like think in my head, like, oh my God, you're so this or what other, you know, type of thing that was kind of going in my head. And then I would have to say out loud, like, stop it, stop. And it sometimes made me feel like a crazy person, Mm -hmm. but it was enough for me to kind of redirect what I was doing and kind of like shake my head and then find an activity to, to preoccupy myself with. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that I needed or that I, um, straight away from was, um, getting affirmations from people. So usually like I found myself in a bad habit of when I felt crappy, I was looking for attention. I was looking for someone to tell me that I was a good person. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, sometimes I found that too, like when I had those hard nights and I was crying and, you know, telling my husband like, Oh, here are the things that, you know, make me feel sad. And I'd always go, I don't understand. Like I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Right. You know, and just like always trying Mm -hmm. to, um, get that reconfirmed. Uh, and I just really had to spend time and kind of lay things out, um, in front of me and and remind myself, like, you know, I am doing good things and I don't need people to, to tell me that. Um, and if I wasn't doing good things or if I felt that I was maybe not as strong in certain areas of, of my life and my characters, like, what can I do to make that better, but also not put myself in a situation where I'm saying like, you're failing at this or you are not great. Um, so having to practice just giving, you know, just talking to myself more kindly, but it wasn't an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when people are seeking out for self-care advice and, you mm-hmm. know, top five, this and whatever else, and, um, this kind of er- over commercialization around like what self-worth is or needs to be and blah, blah, blah. Um, no one really talks about like that this shit takes years 
sometimes it's you know and it's not and it's not perfect you know maybe you'll have like a good couple of months stint where you feel like you're walking on water and then something hits you and I think for me how I've had to reflect on my growth um and in terms of just you know trying to be comfortable in my skin is is reflecting on the challenges beforehand and seeing how I now, um, like how I work those things out better now. Um, so like, I think about, you know, my mom, uh, going through her divorce last year, I was a mess, absolute, uh, absolute mess going through that. And then, and it was always this tug of war of trying to figure out how do I create boundaries? How do I create boundaries? How do I create boundaries? And I kept breaking them, breaking them, breaking them. And then, but I kept working on it and I kept trying to figure out, okay, how, how do I make this so we can, you know, both still be, you know, come out as a family at the end of that. And now I look at this year and I'm like, wow, some, you know, something happened, you know, something new kind of came up between my parents and I was able to handle it in a way where I wasn't breaking down or I wasn't um, disrespecting those boundaries but I also wasn't being like a dick about it either because before I'd be like, mom, I have boundaries, like <laughs> respect these boundaries. Um, and now I can do it in a way where it just feels very fluid. Um, and so when I take those moments to go like, ah, oh, you can, you did this now, like you, you got through this thing. Um, I think that's what continues to, to build me up and to remind me like I'm in a good spot and, um, and like I can, I can get through anything you know, um, like I enjoy sometimes making, like I, in the organization, sometimes we ask people to, to share what they love about themselves. And, um, sometimes I like to spend that time with myself as well, kind of creating very small lists of like, okay, like what are a few things that, you know, that I, I do enjoy about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of hold those words really close to me. Um, and, Sometimes it's really cheesy. Like sometimes if I like need to share it on social media, just to hold myself accountable, like I'll do like a little self-love post and be like, these are things I love about myself. Yeah. Um, and it makes me smile and I don't need people to chime in, but I, what I hope is that people feel excited to like almost give themselves permission to love themselves too. Um, and to not be, I think sometimes people think like, oh, well, it's not very modest. They're like, oh, like, I, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. And it's like, no, it's not bragging. Like, we don't, we don't create enough opportunity for joy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes joy is centered around the way that we need to feel about ourselves. Yep. And if, if that's what it is, then, you know, hell, I'm putting on my favorite dress and I'm running around and be like, I think I'm great. And like, do 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 And like, check me <laughs> out. Like, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better. Um, uh, like embrace it and go for it. Oh, I love that answer. Wow. All right. Well, I guess it's a good time to lead into what your organization is. So it's called Behold Her. Mm-hmm. So what is it and how did you, how did you create it and all this <laughs> stuff? Like, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, it originally started out as a photography project. Um, that was meant to um, gather a, a handful of women and focus on discussing a stigmatized topic anywhere from eating disorders to depression to chronic illnesses to the societal pressures of being the perfect mother. Um, and in the middle of those conversations, I would photograph and interview each participant. 
which ended up creating an, an archive of uh, women's voices here in the city. And mainly because the, the dinners themselves or these like private experiences um, were that private. And we weren't taking pictures uh, during the event. There are no phones during the events. Um, and this was their small opportunity to share with the public like what they thought and what they were experiencing. And from that, it really quickly turned into a community that I wasn't really prepared to manage. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I didn't realize too that some of these topics that I thought were important um, were were not really being discussed. And we would I would get so many emails um, from people saying like, "Hey, it's sold out, but like, can I can I please come? This is important to me." And they'll share their story, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, sure, yes." Um, and I remember one event which was around, um, sexual assault. I believe this, this was a few years ago, but, um, we had over 25 women, I think that were participating, which meant that was 25 people for me to photograph and interview within a three hour time period, which was really scary. Um, and Mm -hmm. very intense and something I will never do again. So now all of these experiences are catered for like 10 to 12 people. Um, and this is also on purpose because one of the biggest things with me creating Beholder is, um, giving people an opportunity to make friends, which goes back to like my whole mm-hmm. thing with, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of where I come from in terms of friendships. When I moved here to the city, I didn't know anybody. Um, it was difficult to find like where I needed to fit in. And, um, and I was tired of people asking me what I did. And so I kind of wanted just to create an environment where all that was stripped away, um, including the phone thing. So I hated going to events or networking or whatever, you know, people want to call stuff. And it was hard to figure out who to talk to because everyone was on their phone, whether they were texting or scrolling Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, so I was like, you know what I, I want, if people are coming to these events, there, there can't be phones and there's no discussions about work. People can't share what they do. So it's all focused on personal development and, um, and it's interesting watching people really struggle with one or the other or both. Some, especially here in DC, like the women who come to these events, like, or the, the, the people who live here in DC, they come here to, to prove something, to be something, um, to work their asses off for something and to move up the ladder. And so when you strip that away from them and you're telling them like, okay, well, what, what do you love to do outside of work and, and who you are, you know, outside of work? Sometimes people really struggle uh, to answer mm-hmm. that question. And sometimes r- people really break down when they have to figure out what that is. And they realize that they aren't doing things outside of work that make them happy. Wow. So, um, so aside from the dinners, we also host um, a podcast listening club. And so, that it's kind of like a book club, but instead we discuss podcast episodes. It's kind of gives another opportunity for people who don't want to be photographed. I love um, that. Yeah, it's really fun. So we'll, you know, we'll bring an episode maybe, um, and we'll have a special guest, usually they're a professional about the topic that's being discussed. So, and that's another thing that uh, I make sure is, or at least there's something that's really important to me that these, we're not talking about these topics because it's something, you know, fun and edgy to have a conversation around. We make sure that there is a therapist or 
um, an organization leader or anybody that we, you know, is a licensed professional that is able to be there as a support system afterwards, if something comes up, that's triggering for somebody. And so we, we, you know, really take on that responsibility of making sure that people are cared for through this experience. Um, and it's just, it's been incredible to see the people who come through and the lives that are changed. Um, and it's not that like that for everybody. You know, there's some people who are just like, I just want to hang out and like do a thing. And then there's other people who are really digging in deep and are trying to, ch- to change something in their lives. And we've had some people that have come to our events who um, really had certain things put into perspective and, and they moved. They moved out of the city. They're like, you know what? I realize that like this place doesn't serve me anymore and I need to go to, you know, the, kind of the next phase of my life. Or there's some people who got out of um, abusive relationships or... Um, who realized that they needed help because they were struggling with an eating disorder. And so, um, you know, moments like that and people who are, um, you know, open to sharing that, it, it really emphasizes the importance of the work that I'm trying to focus on. Um, and, and also realizing that, like, we need more spaces for this. Now, everything doesn't always have to be, like, crying and super serious all the time. Um, but what ends up happening at these events is because we've stripped work and we've taken away phones, you are starting new relationships and friendships at such a raw and honest like point that watching the friendships that grow from this, like it's so exciting to see because you're taking away all the bullshit and, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't sitting there like saying, you know, how cute your shoes are and whatever else. It's, it's people who are there who really want to know your story. And um, all of our programming is centered around storytelling and learning how to embrace all the icky corners of your life and put yourself in a position where you can learn from others. And I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway too, is like you really, if you're not a good listener, you have to be for this. Um, And if you don't talk that much, you got to figure it out at this event too, because they're so small, we can call up on everybody. And sometimes that really makes people, you know, shake in their boots. Um, But at the same time, like at the end of the event, they're like, I needed that. I needed to realize that like I, I had something to give and that I'm more than just a face. Um, and that's kind of the, you know, our, our little tagline and stuff for, um, for everything that we do is like, we really want people to, even though we take the photographs, like we, we do the interviews for a reason. We want people to have a voice and we want uh, people to see, um, where others come from. And we always are really quick to judge, you know, based off of how people look or dress or act, Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so much more that like, there's so much healing, I think, um, that needs to be done. And people just don't take the time to realize that we all kind of mess up or things can get hard. Wow. Kind of like speechless right now. Okay. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. So they started off. So it was photography how so how did you this idea even come up was it just like pop into your head one day and you're like hey no it was kind of an accident I mean 
I no. was doing kind of empowerment work through college. Um, oh, okay. But it wasn't, I didn't think that it was like, it's, it's funny only thinking about that now, like separately. Cause I got this Facebook memory reminder of like, Hey, here's, you know, a picture from whatever. And, and I realized that I was doing these like women empowerment photography, you know, specials or something. Um, and it was, and I was interviewing these women cause I wanted, it was for Valentine's day. Mm. Um, and I was like, Oh, photos aren't, they don't need to be for somebody else. They need to be for you. Um, and I would ask them like, why are you taking this photo for yourself? And, you know, I'd have women say, or, you know, someone, one woman was like, oh, I have MS and I want to remind myself that I'm strong. And another person is like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have, um, body dysmorphia, but I want to show myself that like, I can love the skin that I'm in. Um, another person's like, I'm going through a divorce and like, I need this for me, you know, like, so all these different perspectives. And I, I really enjoy that series. And then I stopped, like, naturally I moved and things changed and had different interests and, and different, um, yeah, life changed. And it wasn't until when I got to DC, I was, um, borrowing some lighting equipment and asked a couple of people to join in, in a studio space to try out the lighting equipment. And, I opened it up to Instagram and said that um, if anybody wanted to participate, I had a couple of spots that people can join in. But um, the rules were when they came into the space, they can't talk negatively about themselves. Um, And I don't know if I did the no phones thing yet. But um, so, you know, some of the women I knew and then there was a handful of people that I didn't. And what was really beautiful in that time that we shared is that, you know, you saw people like hugging and crying, like they were sharing whatever was going on, you know, in their life. And there's just like this, like heightened level of intimacy, you know, in in this room and, and everyone's like cheering each other on while they're being photographed. And like the, the energy was so contagious. And at the end of it, we were sharing where we all came from and, And then this one woman was like, oh, if you ever do this again, like, I want to support you. And I'm like, again, I was like, you know, I just thought it was just kind of like a fun thing to do. Um, But I didn't really see what it could have, like, what it could grow into. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later, there was a woman who contacted me because what I ended up doing is when I shared the portraits um, on Instagram, I I shared a, um, a small description of what I thought about that person and my interaction with them. And this lady was like, I really love your portrait series. And I want to hire you to do your portrait series with my product, which, um, she does jewelry. She's like, I'd love to hear the stories behind the women that are wearing like, um, my pieces. And so I was just like, do I have something unique? (laughs) Like, it was just like, do I have something Mm. special? Um, what am I missing here? What am I not getting? And I was like, cool. Yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. Give me two weeks. And then I spent two weeks trying to figure out the concept and the name. And I had a girlfriend that I was calling back like in Florida and I was just like, what should we call it? And, and I was just like, Oh, I just feel like this whole thing is around like, you know, like the beauties in the eye of the beholder. And she's like, beholder, like, that's what, that's what it needs to be called. And I was like, okay. And so like, we have an eye symbol for some of our stuff Mm -hmm. that people probably have no idea like where it comes from, but that was a big part of it is like, going back to that concept of like beauty is whatever we think beauty is. Um, you know, who is it? 
who has the right to kind of define like what that's supposed to be. Um, and, and that's kind of how it took off. Like it just, I really wanted to, you know, capture women in a way that they weren't being, they weren't given the time. Um, and I wanted people to see like, this was a space for them and they can use it any way that they wanted. Whether it was to help someone else in that, you know, in that situation or to listen and just, you know, kind of embrace other people being vulnerable. Like it was just, it's, I can go on about it and stuff, but it is just such a a powerful uh, space to be in. And we've done this in like the corners of retail shops with like barely any, you know, space. And then we've done them in, in really beautiful venues. And like, it doesn't matter if we're sitting outside on cardboard boxes or if we're in some fancy hotel, the experience is always the same. And a big part of that is, is the people who show up and the desire to want to learn and grow. Wow. When did you start all this? What year? 2016 was like, the unofficial official start date of everything. Wow. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, yeah, so it's almost been four years officially. That's so amazing. You're giving me chills. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is so amazing. (laughs) I just wish like the one thing that I kick myself in the butt for is like, this is not a full-time thing, even though it feels like it's a full-time thing. Um, So like, by trade, I'm a photographer and that's what I do for, for my full time. Um, and then any, you know, bits and pieces and little minutes and hours and stuff I have in between them is when I focus on Beholder. And, you know, I, maybe one day I'm supposed to do it full time. Um, but right now I'm just kind of in this wave with letting it morph into what it needs to be mm-hmm. um, for the time being. And, and when I finally feel like, all right, let's do this, then I'll be ready for it then. How many events do you do? I mean, the first year, I think we were doing like two or three portrait events a month. Um, Uh So I had to do Behold in Seasons um, the first two years because I was so depleted from, Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you're hearing some sad-ass stories. (laughs) and That takes a lot out of you. Um, And so when you put on your like journalist hat and stuff and, and you, you know, you're meeting that person at a very, like, sometimes I feel like I'm just very flat, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be professional and I'm trying to just kind of take in what I'm taking in. Um, but then afterwards, like I completely fall apart. Um, cause you know, at the end of the day, I can't do anything for them. Um, there's, there are certain things that people just need to figure out on their own, or, you know, there's only so many resources that I can provide. Um, and you just got to hope, you know, that they'll continue to do the work that they need to do. Um, so that was very difficult for me sometimes to, to digest. Um, and then I would say probably the second going into the third year is when I started to spread things out a little bit more, but then that's when I introduced the podcast club, Um, and then at some point I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too much. Uh, and right when that happened, I asked for help for volunteer help. And this woman way overqualified for like being a part of this with me. And she's like, I'll fucking do it. I'll, I'll be your volunteer. Um, and And I told her, I was just like, well, you're coming at a weird time because like, I don't know how much longer I can keep up with this. 
Um, and she went on this big, like, you know, uh, tangent about why it was important to her. And she's just like, we got this, we can do it. And she's like, just think about like what you want to do next and stuff. And I was like, cool, I want to do a conference. Um, and so then this past year, we did no events, but the only event we did was the self-worth conference. Um, we spent part of the year fundraising and then the rest of the year interviewing workshop leaders and creating the programming for it. So literally every year of Behold, it's been a completely different year, but I'm happy because now we have, um, I think it's five of us all together and, um, we're really trying to hone in on what our offerings are and really scale back so that people understand what we provide for programming. Um, they know who we are and what our mission is and, and what our vision is. And they don't get as confused, you know, because we're doing way too many things. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, we're, we're focusing on just doing quarterly events at this point hopefully doing the conference annually and then um, doing our in-person and online workshops monthly, depending on who we're collaborating with here in the city or outside the city. The online stuff we're really excited about because then, you know, um, we get to connect with people outside of, you know, the States who are will, you know, who have some type of online programming that they're willing to, to share with us in our community um, and hopefully be able to reach more women across the United States and, and hopefully um, outside of the country as well. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so you sent over some questions earlier. I want to read them and have you answer them because I'm oh. very interested about what your responses <laughs> are. So you have why self, so why is self-worth important? Mm. These are your questions or like <laughs> statements and you're like, why did I, why did I do this to myself? Cause now I have to answer them. I'm like, I know this is deep. How much time are we at? Um, I just, I don't, I feel like self-worth is important in a lot of different ways, but for me, it just gives me purpose. Like, I feel like it, even if I don't necessarily know what I'll be doing next, being able to respect myself and to love who I am and to feel and to know that I am of value um, and not even necessarily to be of value to another person, but that I can wake up every day and be like, I, I can contribute something great um, to anything that I interact with today, like that gives me, it gives me reason to, to wake up and to do something even on the shittiest of days. And even on the most loneliest of days, um, I think it really gives self-worth really gives structure and, um, Mm -hmm. and just gives like breath in to anything you to you want to be involved with and without it you kind of feel lost and fake and easy to manipulate and just kind of like a really soggy piece of clay 
<laughs> like you can't really mold it into anything and it drips everywhere and gets all over the place. Um, and I want to be like cool, like pot, you know, <laughs> like I want to be a vase of all done up and, you know, hold some nice flowers. Um, instead of being like the weird, like, experiment chunk of clay that like sits all dried up and crusty in the corner you don't go with this like um so yeah that that's my not very elegant way of explaining oh, yeah. how self-worth is important I love it though so what isn't considered self-care oh I feel like everything Everything that's being constantly pumped into our faces online, um, in articles, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people think that self-care is doing a spa day or Mm. doing brunch, you know, whatever. Um, And a big part of that, it's, it's treating yourself. It's not actually taking care of the problem. And I think a lot of people either get it confused or they're just ignoring it and accepting whatever treat to themselves is self-care. Like, oh, I, well, well I, I have done something for myself. I went and got my nails done or I have done something for myself. Um, I went for a walk, which is nice. And those things sometimes can be helpful. Um, but it's, I also feel like it really redirects people down a completely different path when it comes to, um, again, addressing a problem and, and really taking the time to heal. Um, yeah. And uh, it, I don't know, it's just really frustrating. And we're definitely not, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of what we offer for, for programming or just even in terms of um, how I kind of go about things, um, you know, self, self-care and like mental health and all of that, like it really needs to be taken a lot more seriously. And there are a lot of people who are hurting, especially like a younger generation, Um, I feel like Hmm. are really, um, I mean, the suicide rates for young adults have gone up significantly and uh, a big part of that is just, you know, their access to, um, the internet and stuff and, and, and the lack of role models that we have. Yeah. And so, you know, if we're not, if we're not actually putting things into action and, and really showing what's important, and being genuine about it, um, we're just going to continue to see our incoming generations really suffer. Um, and so I think it's a, a huge injustice to um, proclaim that self-care are all these sparkly, um, you know, uh, fun blog posty type of, you know, tips and tricks and whatever. Um, but again, we're not actually taking the time to lay out what the steps we really do need to take towards taking care of ourselves. Um, whether that's needing to speak to a professional, whether that's Mm -hmm. um, adopting practices of like meditation or whatever you need to do in your house, um, signing up for an organization. If you find yourself, you know, being looped into domestic violence, blah, 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 the list goes on. Um, but self-care is not cucumbers on your face. Like I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it because that's like the physical self care. Mm-hmm. But, and I feel like you do need that stuff too for like more so de stressing. But if you don't, yes, yeah, if yeah. You don't dig to like the deep root of your issues or your problems mm-hmm. that are 
like your self-talk and everything, then you're just mm-hmm. going to have a miserable life. Yeah. 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 An angry life, which is what I was dealing with in 2018 when I went through my Saturn return, <laughs> I was like a fucking mess. So angry yeah. every day, no Ooh. matter what. Anger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anger's fun. <laughs> Anger's fun. Um, hmm. So how would you say Beholder has has like changed your ways of seeing like seeing others battle with self-confidence and then like how did it show you the importance of having it I think you kind of mentioned that a little and then Mm -hmm. you did also mention a little bit about it like changing the way you view friendships yeah I mean I won't go into a a huge crazy thing because I know we touched up on it a little bit um but yeah you know I think when the when I'm photographing and interviewing these women, it's kind of, they're kind of like my mirror. Um, and the things that I hear them say, even though our stories aren't the same, um, you, there's definitely a lot of overlap in terms of, you know, at the end of the, pain is pain at the end of the day. And, um, when you're seeing someone struggle, you realize how much you don't want to struggle anymore either. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, and so I think that just, a lot of these women have really become a catalyst in my life for change. And um, when I see someone really hurt and and struggle with something, I mean, it breaks my heart. And I sit here and think like, if, if I was telling my story to somebody um, and I was in that much, um, you know, distress and, and discomfort in my life, um, what do I need to do to change that? And how do I get myself out of um, a feeling that way anymore? So, mm-hmm. um, and then in terms of friendships, I mean, I spend so much time trying to create these environments for other women to be able to foster these relationships. Um, ones that really make me smile from across the room. And it's like, why, why can't I have that for myself too? So I might unnecessarily use behold her and that community to like to become my friends. And I think that that there, I still believe that there needs to be a degree of separation between professional and and personal life. Um, and so like, I can't like beholder is not for me. It's not meant uh, to be a friend dating environment for me. Um, so what, but what I do do is, you know, practice what I preach and try and take whatever practices and ways that I try and encourage other people to make friends and kind of go through that awkwardness of like introducing myself, you know, at other people's events and and trying to be more, um, you know, real and vulnerable, but not too vulnerable that it scares away that person because we're not at that type of event. Um, <laughs> and, and really try and, uh, you know, and, and make friends that, that mean something to me. And um, yeah, long story short, I think that's, hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my question. <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, I always ask everyone this question. What would you tell someone who feels stuck with their life? Well, I would probably tell them what my soccer coach told me when I was moving to Germany. Um, he was also my speech teacher and I had the worst stage fright. 
Mm-hmm. Every time we had to do a speech in front of the class, I would shake and pretty much be on the verge of tears. I did not have very good grades at the beginning. Um, and I remember having a conversation one time in his living room, who knows what, but, um, he came back and gave me a sign. He was also a musician. He was a man of many talents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he gave me a guitar strap that he signed and all it said on the back of it, aside from his signature was fuck it. And I remember being really (laughs) weirded out about it because I was like, you know, a freshman in high school and was definitely a wet blanket at that time. And, um, and I always saw him as the teacher. And so, and he never cussed around us or anything like that. And so to kind of have this exchange and for him to come up to me and say like, Leah, just fuck it. Just, just stop. (laughs) Like, just let it go be who you want to be. Yeah. Like that was the most basic and also the most like monumental moment of my life. Wow. Like, you know, cause that was right before we were headed to Germany. And so like all these life changes were happening, but he could tell that I was struggling to just be me. Yeah. And so, um, so some, like, I, I feel like that's something that's helped me get unstuck with things. Even something as ba- basic as like, going on a roller coaster I hate roller coasters but I'll sit in line I'll just be like fuck it I'm just gonna (laughs) do it and like gotta get it done or right before I go on the stage for a panel or for whatever type of thing that I'm getting involved in and I'm starting to like feel weird and icky and scared I always end up telling myself just fuck it, Leah, just fuck it. And then I go on, I have a great time. Like I remember one time like karate chopping and doing ninja kicks on stage and stuff just to kind of shake out everything in front of like a couple hundred people. Um, (laughs) And a big part of that is because I just said, fuck it. Like right before I came on and I said, I need to, I need to be able to set myself up so I can be myself the entire time. And so hopefully... (laughs) Again, as basic as it is, there's something really powerful about those two words that have really gotten me far. And I hope that, you know, it kind of makes somebody laugh and then also realize like it's not worth being hung up on. And sometimes you just got to say, fuck it. Wow. I love that so much. (laughs) That was so great. (laughs) So where can people follow you and connect with you? Yeah. So um, my photography page is at leah.judson um for behold it's at underscore behold.her um and yeah so that's mainly where all my work and professional stuff is and then for weird silly plant things and travel posts and things like that um I recently started kind of like a personal journal thing um which is at there goes leah yes I love all three of your accounts, <laughs> but it's funny because it. now your Leah.Judson one makes so much more sense. Cause I'm like, why are all these pictures of these women on here? And now, but now I get it now. It makes so much more sense. I guess yeah. I never put the connection together before. Yeah. 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 No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank oh. you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you could share this, with someone on 
either your stories or DM it to someone, text it to someone, that would be really great because that is how podcasts get spread. Honestly, it's probably the only, mostly the only way podcasts get spread. So if you could do that, that would be great. If you could leave a five-star review on iTunes and a good review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Truly, 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 truly. Again, keep fighting for justice. Spread the love. Take time for yourself. Do some self-care, inner work. And I'm sending you all love. I love you all so much. Have a good week.